Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Just better now. That's all you can say. Run, Lindsey. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here, as always, with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark it to people. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed our interview with Dr. Stan Beecham. Today, we're going to touch on the hiring of Scott Cochran and everything to do about G Day. Yeah, let's just jump hot right out the gate here with with the hiring of Coach Cochran. I don't know about you, boss, but it kind of knocked me off my seat. That was the the last thing that I was expecting when the announcement came through on Twitter. I will tell you the immediate thought that went through my mind was the video of Kirby after the Rose Bowl screaming out boom with a gigantic expletive after it. That's pretty much what I thought about when I saw the news. Just kind of like him doing a big jump in the air and a fist bump. But what were your thoughts when you heard the news? Well, my first thought was, yeah, 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 his great catchphrase. HBTFD. Yeah. Uh, So family friendly show. So can't really say that here. So, but great hire. I mean, you know, we don't really know what he's going to be as a, as an on-field coach, but you know, I'm not really on this whole, he didn't hire him to hurt Alabama. I mean, he's been trying to get Cochran since he got the job first. He wanted him as strength and conditioning coach and the funds weren't there to bring him in at that point in time in 16. So he got his guy this year. Cochran obviously is look, was looking to move up to an on-field coach and Saban was not prepared to offer him that. And Kirby was so good for Kirby, good for Cochran, but this came out of left field. I mean, I know behind the scenes, obviously it didn't, but there were no rumors of this. There was no talk of this. All the rumors pointed to either a quarterback coach or another defensive coach to even out the offensive and the defensive side. And all the talk that that you heard was Hartley was going to take over special teams. There was no talk of hiring another special teams coordinator. So I, I, I was completely blindsided by it. And I mean, I think it's a great hire. Obviously, he's not going to be doing strength and conditioning. Sinclair was a great strength and conditioning coach, but to think that they're not going to talk and share ideas is asinine. They're obviously going to talk. There's obviously going to be ideas shared, and that's not going to do nothing but help the strength and conditioning program. And he's just a great motivator of men, and he's a great liaison, for lack of a better term, between the players and the, the head man. I mean, that's what he did for 13 years. And if you see the response from Alabama players, past and present, they're torn up about it. Yeah, I kind of want to touch on a couple things with it. The first one is there's been a lot of hand-wringing about his announcement as having this on-field role as a special teams coordinator. And I don't think there's a lot to that. You know, people keep talking about, oh, he's never been an on-field coach and he doesn't have the experience and X, Y, and Z. And I feel like if you've been involved in football the way he has been involved, whether it be at LSU as a grad assistant and then an assistant with Saban and Saban's run there, whether it be his time uh, working with the Hornets, whether it be his time at Alabama, the exposure to the game, I think, is plenty. And my understanding from the reading that 
I've done about it is that while he was at Alabama, he ran the scout team for all the special team stuff anyways. He's out at practice every day. So I don't know. I just don't see where that's that big of a deal. I think the piece of it that's valuable that's not really getting talked about a lot is all these ex-players and guys that had, were just at Alabama this last year at the Combine have sung his praises, You know, talked about how important he was to Alabama, talked about how important he was to the program. If guys love him that much and guys bought into him that much, and we're talking with the guy in the program, the strength and conditioning guy, that by all accounts across America is the guy that spends the most time with players within the separate programs. Are, are you telling me that's not going to play in living rooms with, with kids all across America on the recruiting trail? I think that part of it's gotten a little bit undersold as well. Obviously he's an unknown commodity when it comes to those things, but I'm really interested to see what comes of that. I think that's a compelling piece of this. The other thing that I think is interesting from your standpoint and my standpoint about where this came from. Seth Emerson of The Athletic spoke this week on his podcast, The Damn Good Podcast, which you should check out. Their stuff is great. That he called two of his sources, called and messaged two of his sources after getting a heads up from The Athletic's Alabama writer, Aaron Suttles, I believe is his name, telling him, hey, man, I think this is going to come down. I think George is going to hire Scott Cochran. And he said, Two folks that are really good sources of his plugged into the program, essentially both texted him back and were like, you're smoking crack. There's absolutely nothing to this. And he said that was one hour before the official announcement to tell you who outside of Kirby and probably the decision makers was actually in the loop on this thing. So obviously he was presented with his opportunity. And he took it. His wife, Mary Beth, was a basketball player. And as they say, shoot or shoot. Well, he took his shot. I I think another tidbit was Lane Kiffin apparently was trying to hire him as a position coach as well. I'm not sure what position coach, but I read in one of the articles that Lane Kiffin was trying to take take that spot as well. So two guys, Kirby and Lane, that have been in the Alabama program, know Scott, know what he does, know Coach Cochran, both wanted him and were both willing to give him position coach slots. So I think that says a lot in and of itself. I agree. And as a strength and conditioning coach, you are, like you said, you are the person who spends the most time with the players. You are with them pretty much on a daily basis in the weight room. And you're not just a a strength and conditioning coach. You're a therapist. You're a father figure. You're a brother. You're a shoulder to cry on. You're everything to that person because you are the person in the room who is there most for them. And on top of that, you know, to your point, being on the field and in the program for 13 years, you're going to pick up stuff by osmosis just from being there and being on the field. But Another part that I think is being undersold on this is being a special teams coordinator at any program, you have your hand in each position group because each position group plays special teams. So, I mean, we saw, you know, firsthand when you and I were at Vanderbilt this past year, first kickoff of the game, we see 44 out there. And our first thought is, is that Trayvon Walker on on kickoff? Why is Trayvon Walker on kickoff? Why is a, you know, five-star defensive tackle on kickoff team? You know, you don't expect to see that, but Special teams, very important. Put your best athletes on there. Scott Cochran is going to have his hand in each position group. His mark is going to be all over the program, just like it was in the strength and conditioning. It's not going to be as much because he's not going to have the day-to-day you know, time with the players like he did because he's an on-field coach. He's going to have recruiting responsibilities now, but he's still going to have his hand in each position group, which I think is being undersold a lot. 
Well, I was just going to say, too, I think the other piece of that is, lest we forget, it, it wasn't until 2017 that there was a 10th on-field coach to begin with. So a lot of programs, Coach Rick's program included, did not have a special teams coordinator. So Much to our chagrin. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think some of that's overblown. I, I think that the entire coaching staff is going to have their hand in special teams. So so that piece of it doesn't bother me. I think this was an opportunity with that 10th slot, with that open slot, after Coley and Fountain both left, that you get the best possible person on the market. And however it happened, whether through back channel conversations or whatever it may be, Kirby obviously had some conversations with, with coach Cochran and seemed like this was something that could work. And he said, you know what, this is too big of an asset not to add. Now, obviously the jury's still out and we'll see what happens with it, but it certainly can't hurt to have someone with that gravitas, that experience and that reputation added to your staff. Yeah. And also to your point, you know, about playing well in the living room, you see all the videos of him. And I mean, there you, you do a Google search or a YouTube search. There are plenty of videos of him at Alabama warmups and he's walking around yelling and dancing. And, you know, I mean, he's a younger guy. He's energetic. He has just so much, like you said, that's going to play very well in the living room with these young kids. 40 year old bald white guy is going to be out there and dancing with the players and got a lot of energy. He's, very much like Kirby. He he relates to these guys and you can't undersell that when it comes to recruiting. And I'm not going to go as strong as Herb Street and say that this was a coup, but it was a great hire by Kirby. It was a great hire. I'm not going to say that this is going to you know sink the Alabama ship or anything like that. And until Alabama ship sinks, I'm not going to write off saving. So, but you know, it was a great hire by Kirby. And if it wasn't Kirby, it was going to be someone else. Like you said, it was going to be, it might've been Lane this year, might've been Lane next year. Could have been Pittman the year after that. Someone else was going to hire this guy. And if it wasn't Kirby now, it was someone else later. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk in the articles written about it, that he has his eyes set on being a head coach someday. And Hey, good for him. Maybe he felt that from a career perspective, he'd spent this amount of time as a strength and conditioning coach. He had reached the pinnacle of that personal career and he's still young so maybe he wants to climb for something else i mean from a payment perspective i think he'd made 600 grand last year so obviously he was making plenty of money this is more about i think his personal ambition and what he wants to do in the world of football i also think there's been a lot of hand-wringing about him having no background as a player and i gotta tell you man and maybe this is because i didn't play football in college but i really could care less about that if you can coach and you're knowledgeable about the game who cares? I just think that is the biggest irrelevant argument ever. Just because you didn't play collegiate football does not mean that you can't function well in a coaching role, at whether that be as an assistant or a head coach. And I think there are examples of that all over college football and, and college basketball, for that matter. I don't think there's much to that. I think he's proven his worth. <laughs> I think if he just shows you all of his hardware at his house or, or on his on his fingers when he chooses to wear them. I think that that speaks volumes enough. I'm with you. I could care less if you played college football. If you can coach and you can motivate kids, you can coach and you can motivate kids. It's just hands down. If you can do it, you can do it. And if you can't, you can't. And if you can't, he won't be in this position very long. That's just the fact of the matter. Kirby had proved this year that he's not going to leave someone in a position. They don't get the job done. Just fact of the matter with the Coley situation. Coley didn't have results. Coley's no longer at Georgia. 
hands down, that's just what happens. I think he'll do a great job. I don't foresee our special teams having a drop off, but I don't think the really real benefit of Cochran is going to come from. I think it's going to be in the motivation. I think it's going to be in the the recruiting aspect of it. I think that's where we're going to see the real benefit of Scott Cochran. And like I said, Sinclair's a hell of a strength and conditioning coach. And I would say probably now with, with Cochran no longer being a strength and conditioning coach, you probably got to say that Sinclair's probably one of the top, if not the top strength and conditioning coach in the country. Now they're going to share ideas. They're going to possibly, you, know, you can only better the strength and conditioning program at Georgia with having him in the fold, you know, sharing those ideas now. Yeah. I think long-term, the interesting thing about the hire will to be how it affects number one, maybe for me, is the recruiting trail, right? I think that's the biggest indicator of him having the on-field roles that allows him to get out and recruit. Uh, Again, to your point, is Scott Cochran going to make or break Georgia special teams? No, I don't think so. I think that's a cohesive project amongst the coaching staff anyways. And so that part of it, I don't think we'll know one way or the other whether he's a special teams wizard or not. But we will know the results real quickly on how he plays in the living room and how many kids buy into the cult of Kirby and the cult of Cochran. And I think that will become a thing. They just both seem to be dynamic personalities, personalities that kids really gravitate towards. And I think that'll be his main value as things go forward. I think the overarching piece of this, and I know we seem to talk about it every week, but the reason we talk about it is because Kirby keeps doing things that that indicate it, is urgency. That was the other thing I thought when I heard the hire announced. I was like, man, Kirby is pushing. Like he must feel like they are right there. And he's trying to add as many people as possible to the program, whether it be on the player side or on the administrative side that allow them to reach the summit. Right. I mean, I think that's what this entire off season has indicated is that he is hungry. And as he said before the 2018 SEC championship, He wants to eat and he wants everybody else to eat. And he is going to do everything in his power to make that happen. I agree. I don't think Kirby's feeling pressure to do it, but I think that he, he wants it so bad. And after being so close in 17 and then in 18, having the big lead against Bama, having two 14 point leads, slipping away again. And then last year, just getting back to the SEC championship game. But I think fans might've thought that there was a good shot against LSU. But I think after the first quarter, I think everyone in the room pretty much knew what was going to happen. We didn't have the horses last year on offense. We just weren't able to keep up with Burrow and LSU. But with the defense coming back this year, and for what are the foreseeable future on defense, like the couple year window with the defense, if the offense can be serviceable, and put up 28, 30 points a game, Georgia is going to be really hard to beat. I mean, really hard to beat. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And let's speak to 2019 a little bit, because I do think this is something that's kind of been lost in the shuffle. And I'm not trying to take away anything from Clemson or from Ohio State. They both had very dynamic offenses, great playmakers at the quarterback position, great playmakers on the edge, both had very good defenses. But that LSU offense was once in a decade, maybe once in two decades. And number one, and obviously this could change. I could be completely wrong about this, but 
you telling me there's going to be an offense next year that just it puts everything together like that and clicks the way they did? I, I just don't see it, man. That was almost like everything was meant to be with that team. They just punished people. I mean, really, they didn't play a close game. I know they had the one close game against uh, who? Florida? Did Florida go there and be, play tight with them, or was it Auburn? No, no, Auburn went and played tight with them, right? It was Auburn. I mean, Florida was closer in the beginning, but then they kind of ran away. Against Florida, it was closer, but they put up 42 points, and I think they only ran 44 plays or something ridiculous like that. Like, I mean, they didn't they didn't hardly have the ball in 40, 42 points. So Auburn, I think they only put up 28, 24, something like that, and that was their lowest scoring game of the season, of the regular season. But, I mean, their offense, it was – if you remember the, not to go to the NFL, but if you remember the Patriots team that went undefeated until they lost to the Giants Super Bowl, their offense, that was the college equivalent of that. Like, I mean, it was like they were just unstoppable every week. No one, they had that one tough game against Auburn. But other than that, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was a wrecking ball. That offense was unstoppable. Yeah, and I, I just think to what you were saying about Kirby's belief in the defense, I think that he believes that the capability that this defense this year and possibly the year after that will have to be dominant. I mean, in a lot of ways, they were dominant last year. And if they can build upon that and become even more dynamic, I think he realizes that offensively, they will be fine. I think Dog Nation ran an article maybe today or yesterday highlighting quotes from the 10 Georgia players at the combine that were all asked about Georgia's offense for 2020. And if it was going to be high flying and wide open and pretty much to a man, they all go, no, Kirby's going to run the football. (laughs) And I just thought it was very interesting that they were all like, yeah, y'all are crazy. If y'all think they're going to like fling it around 40 times a game, like Kirby's going to punch you in the mouth, play great defense, run the football. They essentially were all saying, we're going to have all these guys back playing great on the offensive line they're going to road grade you they're going to control the line scrimmage and they're going to be just fine so i found that very interesting and i think we've all kind of jumped to this oh we're going to throw it around the yard and we're going to be lsu 2.0 and todd munkin's going to fling it and do x y and z and we might be wrong about that you know maybe the hope is that they're like 2017 right i mean that team ran the ball a ton but was also very explosive, not just throwing the football, but also running the football. I think they had an even amount of 40-plus yard plays in 2017, throwing and passing. I think they had 10 40-plus plays passing and like 12 running. And I think that's what you want. That's what he has consistently said, is that we want balance. We want to be good at both when we want to. And so I just I found that interesting. Maybe we will see some of that in the G-Day game. And it was announced this week that kickoff for G-Day will be at 2 p.m. on April 18th. Obviously, that's something to mark your calendar for and get excited about. I know Boss and I are pumped up about it. One thing that's a little bit of a downer about it is it was also announced that the game will not be televised on traditional television. So the SEC Network has made the choice to do whip-around coverage of the spring games. And my understanding is it'll be whip around coverage of Georgia spring game, Alabama spring game, and maybe Florida's was the third. That was Florida. The game will not be on in its entirety on your television. It will be broadcast in full on the SEC Network Plus, which it's my understanding is uh, what you, you would access it through the ESPN app, either the app on your phone, the app on your tablet, the app on your TV if you have Roku or a Fire Stick or something of that nature. But but that's how you will watch the game in full is with SEC Network Plus. I don't know why they made that choice, but they did. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? I was I was disappointed with that. 
Well, first off, G-Day is great for fans. It's that first taste. It's the culmination of spring practice, but after not having real football for four months, it's a taste of, even though it's a scrimmage, it's a taste of football. And that has to hold you over either the last week of August or the first week of September. So it's really all you get for eight, nine months. And for the SEC network to, you know, which really, you know, let's face it, is owned by ESPN and run by ESPN to decide to not do the full game is really kind of disappointing. Now, I did read also that it, that doesn't mean that they won't show the full game at a later time. So we will be able to DVR it, and it'll probably be shown throughout the summer a gazillion times. So, I mean, it's not like we won't be able to see the whole thing, but when you're watching a scrimmage, it's not like rewatching um, a regular season game, which I do multiple times during the season. Like, you pick up little things here and there, I and mean, once you watch a scrimmage, it's a controlled scrimmage. They're not running, you know, they're running probably like, you know, 10% of their playbook. You can't really, you know, hit but so much because they don't want anybody to get hurt. So, you know, there's only so much you can see in a controlled scrimmage like that. So it's really disappointing to not get that full experience when it's live. With that being said, it is kind of interesting the way they chose to do it with the whip around coverage. I understand that it's Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. So you choose three of the highest profile teams and they're all at this around the same time. And you're basically watching glorified highlights. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of the fantasy aspect of it. I mean, college football is not big into fantasy football like the NFL is, but I mean, that's kind of what they're doing with it. So, I mean, I guess I kind of understand that marketing aspect of it, but from a fan perspective, I think it's terrible. Yeah, I would just wonder what those conversations were, whether it was a a deal where the viewership just hasn't been there. I mean, I guess in a sense, we're kind of spoiled, right? It used to be that maybe one spring game would be featured on TV and it was generally somebody who either had been the national champion the, the previous year or was the expected number one for the upcoming year. So maybe we're spoiled in that aspect because, I mean, I can remember watching it online through George's website back in 2005, six, those type times. So obviously we're a little bit spoiled because we're, we're just used to having access to everything. But I just thought with the high profile of the program, the fact that they have the SEC network and, and seemingly 50 other ESPNs that there's an opportunity to put it on TV in full live as it happens. The other piece of it, which this is selfish, obviously, because we support Georgia, but I think it's a great opportunity to get your program on national TV, right? In a time of the year when football's not in play. So that part of it kind of stinks too, because you, you miss out on that opportunity for a Saturday afternoon in the middle of April to have Georgia football all over your TV between the hedges with tons of people there in red and black. And so, I mean, that part of it kind of stinks a little bit, but um, you know, maybe that'll just be the excuse we need to carry our rear ends to Sanford that day, brother. <laughs> maybe that's how I'll sell it to the missus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd also like to know, like when they're having the conversations, like what really is, what really, as far as ratings goes, is it going against? I remember last year, it was terrible timing. It was Easter weekend. So I understand like people, a lot of people traveling. So I understand last year why it might not have, might have been a ratings downer. But this year, it's not Easter weekend. Baseball is just getting going. So you're not, probably not going to have a high-profile Saturday afternoon game for Major League Baseball. Maybe NASCAR. Uh, what else is going on on a Saturday afternoon in middle of April? Well, you know what I thought about is the XFL still going to be going on then? You know, ESPN broadcast that. Oh, that's a good point. I wonder if they got preempted because they're going to show XFL stuff. I don't know. I, it just seems just seems like a departure from where what they. It might be in the playoffs then. I, who knows? I, I don't know. Anyways, I mean, not again. Not that it's here. There, we're going to get to see it if we want to see it. I mean, I'll just watch it yeah. on SEC Network Plus if if yeah, we don't end up being exactly. in Athens. But it's just kind of 
one of the things where you're like, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. That's really all I got today, brother. You got anything you want to wrap about before we get out of here? I want to circle back on Cochran. 13 years at any job to be at the height of your profession is a long time. And to do it as well as he did says a lot. And then when someone leaves and you get all these former players and even some current players who are just basically gushing over him and talking about how great he is. If anybody who's down on it, which I don't think anyone is in the program, just go read all the former Alabama players tweets. Josh Jacobs said it best. I think he said he was the glue of the program. So if if former Alabama players are saying that, I think we got a good one. I couldn't be happier with the hire. And again, I was stunned. I'm still kind of stunned about it. It just, it seems like a big deal. And in all honesty, it kind of seems like a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. I, I read the news and I was like, wow, that's that seems like a, a big story. And I figured, well, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I consume not only a lot of college football, but a lot of programming around college football. So, you know, I have seen the real sports piece on Scott Cochran. I've seen the E60 piece on Scott Cochran. So I was like, well, maybe I just kind of know more about him than the, than the general general viewing population does. But the fact that the story has had the legs that it has had and so many former players were asked about it at the combine and just seems like throughout college football, this is a big deal. And I think in a lot of ways, Kirk Herbstreit is the barometer of the college football landscape. And for him to come out with the strong words that he had about it tells you, and that's a guy who's very much on the inside of the upper echelon program. You know, his kids play at Clemson. He's in tune with what's going on at Georgia. He's on campus at Alabama, has done tons of interviews with Tua. For a guy like that who has his hand on the pulse of multiple programs to make the statements that he made about it should tell you in and of itself how big a deal it is. So we're excited. And what it really made me want to say is go dogs, sick them, brother. Go dogs. Better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details